Welcome to the Climb Your Everest podcast, a platform where we delve into the incredible stories of women who have triumphed over their personal challenges and are making a profound impact on the world. I'm your host, Sarah Safari, and I'm honored to be the founder of Climb Your Everest, a nonprofit organization passionately committed to offering education and empowerment opportunities to marginalized women, enabling them to unleash their true potential. Joining me as a co-host on this exciting journey is Avi. Together, we are on a mission to bring you inspiring narratives that will uplift your spirits, ignite your passion, and motivate you to climb your own Everest. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Avi. All right. So this is episode 10, the last episode of season one. And this episode is dedicated to Q&A with you. So for our audience, if you have more questions, please post them and we will answer them um, through other episodes in the next seasons. So Sarah, I'm going to start with the first question. Um, <laughs> and this was repeated a few times. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you first reached the summit of Mount Everest? 20 minutes uh, before reaching the summit, uh, one of the Sherpas said uh, 20 minutes to the summit. And I just heard the word, like I heard that sentence and I started bawling. I was crying. I was so happy and excited. I couldn't believe that my 10 year journey of climbing Everest is coming to an end, which actually it's not an end because summit is not the end of the trip. You have to come all the way down. But I was crying so hard that in my oxygen mask was 100% wet. I had such a hard time breathing because everything was so wet and frozen because it's like very cold, right? Negative 25 to 40 degrees. I kind of don't, didn't, don't know at that moment how much was it, but it was extremely cold. I cannot feel my fingers or toes and the wind is so strong. And then I'm crying so much. Like every tear that comes down, it, uh, it's frozen right <laughs> away. <laughs> and then I got to the summit and there was a little uh, Buddha statue. And my Sherpa, he's a Buddhist. So he kissed the Buddha and he told me to kiss the Buddha. I, of course I kissed the Buddha. I, I mean, it's the summit of Everest. And I just couldn't believe it. I I was kind of in the space of, wow, this 10 years. I worked 10 years to get here. And finally, I'm here. It, it, of course, it's very uncomfortable. I didn't want to take my oxygen mask off because on Chuoyu, uh in 2014, I took my oxygen mask off and it got frozen at negative 40 degrees. It didn't work. So I had to climb down the mountain without oxygen and it was extremely difficult. So I didn't want that to happen on Everest, of course. It's like a death zone. I kind of don't want to die. And uh, I didn't take off my oxygen mask and um, I took the picture summit with my oxygen mask, which I'm going to be posting it both for this episode and on YouTube channel. So everybody can see the top of the world. I mean, you cannot see much because it's kind of, the picture is not 360. It's just picture of me on the top, but 
it is very difficult and it's like a very moment of a struggle which is cold you haven't slept for a few days you haven't had enough food because of the lack of oxygen and digestion problems so it is a very inconvenient moment the summit moment but thinking about oh my god i just spent this many years of my life for this moment that's the beauty of it where this is it and then the whole time i was thinking i have to go down so i need to save some energy don't stay on the summit longer than a few minutes just take the picture and just go down so and um i was just so happy to be able to tell the girls that i took their picture to the top of the mountain i was just so happy to be able to tell them that um i did this for you and i finally did the fundraising that i wanted to do for you so uh it was a very unique beautiful moment it's like falling in love it's just very unique very sensual sort of an experience very emotional thing what an incredible experience it must have been although your body is slowly dying at that elevation yeah but I'm sure the, the the views and 10 years of your life, that's a decade. That's, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the next question is, did you meet any Iranians on Everest? <laughs> of course. There are a lot of amazing Iranian mountain climbers coming from Iran. And uh, yes, I, I mean, in the past 10 years, I've met them, um, Uh, on different mountains, even, I mean, not just from Iran, but like from all over the world, from Europe, from uh, United, any different states in United States. And it's just kind of so beautiful to have this community of mountain climbers. We don't live in the same city together, but we meet on different mountains and we share stories. Um, it's mostly very positive experience, uh, except one experience I met this Iranian and he told me, um, aren't you Iranian? What are you doing on the mountain? You're supposed to be in the mall shopping. And that was not a very good experience, which, um, I was a little shocked. I was like, what? I mean, I, I think if you wanted to say something it should be more encouraging rather than, right. Uh, questioning me for my choices of being in the mountain rather than a mall. But yes, there are a lot of Iranians climbing different mountains all over the world. That's, that's great to know. So this is a personal question. It's not listed on, on the list of questions, but um, what's the percentage of male, female ratio? On, on um, 10% female. Uh, yeah. I mean, some mountains are Kilimanjaro. There are more female mountain climbers and then some mountains like Denali or Everest, they are less female and more male mountain climbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the next question that is posted is how are living conditions intense? Well, um, you know, it's kind of, like for something like Everest where you have to have gear and food and stuff for 60 days and snacks and clothing and all sorts of stuff for 60 days, it always looks very chaotic and messy. And, you know, it's kind of, I just have to keep cleaning and organizing your tent and that's a full-time job because it's such a small space. 
such a simple living life. I actually love it because our life here on the ground, it's sort of complicated and we have a lot of things that we don't ever use. And on the mountain, all of a sudden it becomes this small, simple, minimalist life where you just have the important things that you really, really need. And I really appreciate it. It's no clutter. It's mostly uh, kind of learning to live a very small, simple life. So I really like tense life. And um, I just, uh, it's a good practice for me to be more organized. Um, and for a mountain like Everest, there we have so many tents on the mountain in different elevations and kind of being able to be organized throughout different tents and knowing what gear in the, what, what elevation that kind of makes it a little complicated and fun and exciting. So, um, it's an interesting guy. If you haven't done it, I really recommend try it. It's uh, a different style. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people can start small. I mean, you can go back. Yeah. back. You can, I mean, if you're in Southern California, if you're in LA, you can pack your bag and go up to Mount Baldy to the ski hut. And, yeah. you know, you can tent there, go to Kukamonga Peak. You can start small. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get that experience. Um, all right. The next question is, what is the puja ceremony? Puja ceremony is like a spiritual ceremony where we ask the mountain for the safe passage. So basically we are respecting the mountain and, uh, asking the mountain to let us climb it. So Buddhist people really believe in um, this and they invite a Lama to come up to the Everest Base Camp and bless us and bless our gear from crampons to ice axe to backpacks to boots to all the technical gear that we have to bless the gear so that we can safely climb the uh, mountain. It's like a very beautiful, again, I have a lot of videos and pictures from puja ceremonies on uh, social media and on cl uh, Climb Your Everest YouTube channel. So feel free to kind of look at those pictures and anybody who has more questions, um, I, I would be more than happy to answer. Thanks, Sarah. Um these are, those are a little bit more of a different type of a question. So, uh -huh. <laughs> um, okay. How is the bathroom situation on mountains like Everest and Denali? Uh, I'm going to combine them all and then maybe you can yeah. just answer them in, in one setting. Mm -hmm. What do you do with your period mm -hmm. and do your hormones change and does the elevation impact your cycle? Yeah. Uh, that's a very good question. And a lot of uh, people ask me, especially women. And I think it's very important to know. Of course, it is not convenient and comfortable. It definitely impacts the body. Since I've been climbing for in the past 10 years, I can see how it's been very different climbing in 30s and dealing with period versus climbing in 40s and dealing with period. I felt like my body went through some stuff. So it, I guess um, I use birth control pills to skip my period and I just take enough packages of birth control pills to the mountain with me 
So I keep, I can keep skipping my period. But this last time around uh, on Everest, uh, it didn't work. And I uh, have no idea why. It's like even the doctor on the mountain had no idea why. Um, so um, I'm just guessing uh, my body was dealing with something and that something would be elevation. And um, so it didn't work. So I could be one of the few people who summited Everest on my period. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of people who summited Everest, but not many of them on their period. So that's something, right? <laughs> Check the box. <laughs> but then um, uh, bathroom situation is not fun. Uh, especially on higher elevation, you have to go find a place to hide. Of course, there is no place to hide, uh, you know, and then you have to find a place uh, which is kind of not on the very steep slope that you feel safe with definitely with your crampons so that you don't fall off the mountain, like all these things. And, um, you know, I, I, I practice so much, but still it is very difficult. Are there designated areas? Yes, in the base camps, most or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There are designated areas in most places, and then sometimes there are no designated areas, and you have to improvise and <laughs> just figure it out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so you know that's kind of that wraps up some of the questions. I personally have a lot of different questions, but in particular, I wanted you to answer one question that I had. You know, I read your book and you have a story in there about a notebook at UCLA that had your name. Um, can you talk about that story? And do you think that whatever happened in that moment in time, that that notebook popped out is the same reason that you survived Everest in 2015, that your work wasn't done yet and that you survived to serve a bigger purpose and a bigger mission. I think in your question, you really gave the answer as well. So that was like a, you know, I am, I'm not a religious person. So, uh, it's, uh, but then I think that was such a beautiful coincidence that uh, that what happened regarding the notebook. So for those of you who haven't read the book, the story of the notebook is that um, uh, I uh, okay, my biological dad passed away before I was born, and um, and then my mom got married when I was two years old. Uh, and um, so when I moved uh, to college and the first day that I was at UCLA, I was so busy moving to that area that I forgot to buy notebooks. And um, I, the whole time during my first class, um, I was thinking why I, I need a notebook and why my uh dad is not here to get me a notebook because this story is the person who was sitting next to me. She kept telling me how uh, amazing that is that her dad got her like five different notebooks with five different colors for five different classes that she has. And she kept going and going about these colors and the notebooks. And, and then I kind of, I, that the thing that came to my mind was that I want that. I, I, I wish there was somebody who got me notebooks and, 
it was a very emotional moment for me. I felt a little sad um, and I kept thinking, I wish like that that's what I had at this moment. And as I was leaving the class, uh, there was a truck who kind of just, they opened the back of the truck and the guy walked out and said, free notebooks, free notebooks. So I was a little shocked because like only five minutes before that, I was wishing for notebooks. And then this truck comes next to my classroom, opens the trunk, and then they are giving out free notebooks. And then I opened the notebook and the notebook has my last name on it. <laughs> I, was, a coincidence. I don't know. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> I have no idea. And I don't have a better way of explaining it. And I just saw that. And, um, and I just thought uh, somebody is listening. It's like, that's like, there have to be so many stars had to get aligned for me to receive the notebook on this like five minutes after I asked for them. And, and I guess, um, that was, that was a gift. That was a gift from the universe. And, and I think similar to my survival and uh, kind of surviving the avalanche and earthquake on Everest in 2015 was another gift that I cannot find a good explanation for. And a lot of things, I just refer them as coincidence. Oh my God, you know, it just happened. And these two are the two things I still, I have a hard time explaining them because it seems like um, I um, I just had to receive that gift to uh, to live my life differently. And I've, I've been trying to do that. And uh, that's why like, I feel like my calling is helping these women. My calling is to uh, empower them and uh, climb your Everest is just my calling. And that's what I needed to do in this life. Um, it's so clear for me. It's like a day. There's like nothing else in the world that I'm so clear about. Uh, so that's why we have this podcast. That's why we have this nonprofit organization. And I'm hoping through these podcast series, I can bring a lot of um, funds and awareness for the nonprofit who we can support even more women around the world. Thanks, Sarah. It's been an amazing journey to be co-hosting this podcast with you. I'm honored and I've learned so much about just the analogies that you've used from leadership to climbing a mountain to, to personal life. So um, it's been really fun. And for our audience, this is the end of season one, episode 10. If you have any questions, please send it to us. We will create another episode in season two for more Q&A. And don't forget you to subscribe to Climb Your Everest podcast, uh, YouTube channel, and you can always reach out to Sarah if you'd like to contribute in any other way. And we want to make this better and bigger. So if you have any feedback, please don't hesitate to share with us. We want uh, to be able to kind of respond to the things that are the most necessary. If you have ideas for us 
to mm-hmm. make the podcast uh, more successful. You have tools and techniques or you're even willing to volunteer and help us with it. Please reach out to us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. That would make a huge difference for the organization and for empowerment of women around the world. Thank you so much for listening to us in the first season, in the past 10 episodes. And we look forward uh, for the ne- uh, to see you again, to be with you again in the next season. Thank you. At Climb Your Everest, our mission is to provide access to education and resources to marginalized women so that they can gain the skills and knowledge they need to succeed in their lives and communities. But we can't do it without your help. 100% of your donation is tax deductible and will go directly towards funding our programs, including scholarships, educational material, and mentorship. So please visit our website, climbyoureverest.org, and make a donation today. Every little bit helps. It costs $25 to sponsor one girl to participate in empowerment workshops for a month. If you're interested, please contact me at sara at climbyoureverest.org. And together, we can empower marginalized women to climb their own personal Everest. Thank you for your support.